Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Bar, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. Yep, come on. Here's the mail, it never fails, it makes me want to wag my tail, when it comes I want to wail. Yeah, you know what time it is. It's our weekly mailbag, Raiders question and answer mailbag. Uh, I do it for the Las Vegas Review Journal, for the Raiders for the Review Journal. You can download our app, Vegas Nation, or go to VegasNation.com and check it out. Uh, But we get so many questions on a weekly basis that I can't get to all of them in print. So uh, we are also now on Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Uh, take questions through the mailbag and answer them on Fridays. And without further ado, Damon Cotton, take it away. All right. This first one right out of the gate. I love that it's mail time. I love that it's ask questions. But this is 86Chewy68 on Twitter. I don't know why, but I have a feeling Waller gets traded. Not a question, but yes. What do you think? Um, not this year. I don't think he gets traded this year. And the reason I say that is because I truly believe the Raiders believe that they're on the brink. They're on the verge. They're on, um, you know, uh, they're, they're where they need to be. And, you know, you bring in a Devontae Adams to add to a Darren Waller to create a super tandem, much like a Tyreek Hill uh, and, a, and, a, and a Travis Kelsey. It's a different dynamic, but the, it's the same thought. It's the same process. You have two dynamic weapons and you force teams to decide how am I going to, you know, which way am I going to get beat today by defending this guy and, and you know, focusing, uh, a, you know, a double team over to Devontae Adams, leaving Darren Waller open or vice versa. You're putting teams in an impossible position is what I'm saying. Why, why, why at this point when you don't have to and you have Darren Waller under a reasonable contract, why would you trade him and break that up before you can even see what it looks like? And I think it's going to look spectacular. And I frankly think it's going to look so spectacular that the Raiders and Darren Waller are going to figure it out to keep him here long range. And don't forget Hunter Renfro in that equation. Also Josh Jacobs. Um, also, you know, um, uh, Brian Edwards and how it's going to free him up. So, no, I don't think he's going to get traded. If he does, it will be next year. And it'll be because the Raiders simply can't pay everybody. It'll be one of those types of situations. And whatever Darren Waller would and should be asking for um, is a little bit too rich for the Raiders at that point, And they're going to have to do something differently. But I don't think that trade is going to happen this year. I, I think the Raiders and I think everybody else wants to see this unit intact and see how special it can truly be. All right, next question coming from Azteca8580 on Twitter. What are the chances we add Odell? And that is Odell Beckham Jr. We Yes, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, here's the thing with Odell. Um, I don't think anybody's sure where he is right now physically. I think for Odell Beckham Jr., the, his best bet right now is just get the body right. You Obviously, the worst possible timing for him. I mean, here's a guy that, to me, Devon, was headed to winning the MVP honors of the Super Bowl. That's how good he was playing in the early part of uh, the Rams against the Cincinnati Bengals at Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. 
only for him to then, in a, just a devastating stroke of bad luck, goes down with a serious knee injury. And it's left him now in, obviously he's rehabbing. So nobody knows where he is health-wise right now. I think for, for his pr- uh, uh, purposes, just get the body right. And when you do, circle it back and have a better idea of what is available, what everybody's wide receiver room looks like, what the money situation might be from some teams. So you just wait it out if you're Odell Beckham Jr. If you're asking me if they would sign him right now, I don't see the fit right now. Uh, I see other needs that are above and beyond wide receiver, and so I think that the Raiders' attention after bringing in Devontae Adams and adding some of the other wide receivers that they have, I think their attention is elsewhere. However, I will say this, things change. Things change. I think the Raiders want to see what Brian Edwards is all about, and rightfully so. Uh, give him a chance to excel and play uh, with this new supporting cast that he has around him or the, these new teammates that he has around him could open the door for a big year for Brian Adams or, excuse me, for Brian Edwards. So see what that's all about. But things change. Maybe he doesn't step up, Brian Edwards. Maybe somebody gets hurt. You don't want to talk about it, but it is football, and uh, that, that does happen. Uh, so maybe down the road, while I don't see a fit right now, maybe five months from now, three months from now, four months from now, there could be a fit. So you can't rule it out. But I think the key right now is for Odell Beckham to get healthy and to show that he's healthy and then to size up the situation at that point. All right, this next one from at GoRaiders19 on Twitter. Earl Thomas, question mark, any serious chance the Raiders are interested? I've, you know, um, <laughs> The name obviously resonates. It's Earl Thomas. He's been a tremendous player in the NFL, but he hasn't played now in, what, two years? That could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Um, if I'm the Raiders and if the money is right, why wouldn't you bring him in at least to see, Demon? at least to see where he is, where he is physically? Now, he says that he's gotten his step back. He says he feels great. The body feels great. Again, at this stage, of his life, maybe it was a good thing that he pushed the pause button uh, and was able to get the body back in order um, as a veteran player. But I'm going to ask you, Damon, is that somebody that you would at least? I, I'm not. I, it's it's hard for me to sit here today and say yes, the Raiders would sign um, Earl Thomas. But are you a little bit intrigued to at least see where he is? Uh, no, not as intrigued because I think that the type of safety that he is, he would basically. He basically played the Trayvon Mooring role, let's say, in the defense that he played in Seattle. So I don't think that he's the type of safety that you bring in to replace or try to be better than what Jonathan Abram is doing because he's not that type of safety. Yeah, and that's that's another uh, good question that you bring up. I don't know what the Raider safety situation is, is even going to look like, how it's going to align. Um, and we don't know, is Jonathan Abram going to be out of position? Is he going to be asked to do things um, that he doesn't excel at? Or... Are they gonna Are they gonna create a kind of a a safety system that keeps him um, in situations that that he can excel at? So we don't know what that looks like, um, and until we do, I'm kind of with you. I I, I want to see what what Jonathan Abram looks like in this defense. Trayvon Morg, see what steps he takes forward. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about uh, Gillespie. Um, you know, the the young uh, safety that they drafted uh, from from Missouri last year. Uh, they've also added to that room through free agency. I think they're okay right now at safety. If if a draft prospects uh, you know falls to them, um, you know, and, and they feel like he's the best player at that position in the draft, 
you go for it. But but I'm 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 interested for, just from a fan's perspective, let's say, in what Earl Thomas is all about right now. But from a Ra- Raiders perspective, maybe not. All right, this next one. This is a good one from. Cannot pronounce that. Sick y'all. Let's just say sick y'all. That's the uh, username and not the at. Who are a few players you 100% missed on when evaluating for the draft? Like you were sure that guy would be a superstar, but he flamed out hard. And not because of some injury or arrest, but because he just wasn't as good as you thought he would be. Um, Josh Rosen from UCLA. I thought that he would be much better. And I didn't account. And it's so weird now that I think about that. I had people in the NFL who were just, like, shaking their head, like, no, uh uh-uh. There was something about Josh above and beyond the football stuff, you know. I just – and what the question was, what the reluctance was, was, what the um, apprehension was, was just how much he cared about football, you know, and and whether it was something that drove him or something that he just kind of did. And, you know, you can't – Obviously, we all have lives. Obviously, we all have our vocation and our work and our personal lives, and we have to be able to balance that. But to be great at something at the highest, highest level, Damon, um, you almost have to be obsessed with it. You really, truly do. It's just, it's, it's just the nature of the beast. And I'm not sure he was um, ob- obsessed with it. So Josh Rosen is, is somebody that I felt like uh, talent-wise, was going to be tremendous, but he obviously wasn't. So that's of recent players. Uh, that that's somebody that that I completely whiffed on. You got anybody else? He said a few. Um, I'd have to really think about that. Throw some na- like throw uh, throw some names out there that you can kind of recall uh, that that turned out to be busts, and I'll, I'll let you know. And I'll be honest with it. I'll, I'll be honest because I've been wrong plenty of times. Um, trying to trying to trying to. If, you, if there's anyone on, on the top of your head uh, that, uh, that, that you can remember. I mean, I'm trying to even think about basketball. you know, Because uh, I was thinking more USC because that's your wheelhouse. I was thinking Mark Sanchez, but he wasn't really a bust. I mean, he made it to the AFC Championship game two years in a row. So I mean, Well, hey. here's the thing. with I, I, I was way more higher. On, I'll, I'll say Matt Leiner in that case. Uh, I thought Matt Leiner would have been better than he was. Uh, ironically enough, both he and Josh Rosen were drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. I know, and, and I talked to Matt about this. It was a weird situation for him because he got drafted by Dennis Green, okay? And Dennis Green was his guy. Uh, Dennis Green drafted him. Uh, he, he, he believed in him. And then, the, and then very soon after, it might have been the next year, after the season, here, come Ken, here comes uh, Ken Wisenhunt. And I'm not going to – off the air, I'll tell you what the nickname for Ken Wisenhunt was um, <laughs> from some players. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, Matt Leiner uh, – told told me what that nickname was and i could tell exactly how they felt about each other so it just it didn't work out with ken wisent hunt and uh and, and matt liner so maybe part of that stunted him and maybe again he didn't it, he wasn't obsessed with here's what matt liner will probably tell you sometimes it was almost a step down for him you know he was like the star in los angeles usc at that point was the nfl team it was as glamorous and as big as you can imagine. I mean, they ran the town from a football perspective. Then he goes from USC to the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm sorry, but when you're talking about brands and you're talking about stardom and you're talking about being in Hollywood, Los Angeles, and then going to Phoenix, it was kind of almost a step down. And I wonder if he, not that he checked out or if he just, you know, 
this isn't what I thought it was going to be, and, uh, and, and mentally maybe he took a little bit of a step back. So Hold on, Let me ask you a question then, because the Jets have just always been bad. If he's drafted by the Jets in 05, do you think his career is even a little bit different then? Because you made it sound like, ah, man, he's a step down. Well, New York's the biggest market that we have. Could have, yeah, I'd have to look at that team um, because, you know, sometimes teams beat you up too. Like if you're not if, – if you go into a bad situation, and we've seen that happen with quarterbacks, um, I'd have to look at that 05 uh, Jets team. I will say this, in Mark Sanchez's case, I felt he left too early. Um, I think he only had the one year after um, – you know, I, I think he started for one year for USC – and if you go back, Pete Carroll said it at the time. It's a mistake. He doesn't. He shouldn't be going out right now. He's not ready. He went to a great situation with the Jets from this perspective. They had a great defense. It was Ryan. Uh, Rex Ryan was the head coach. They had a great defense. But if you talk to people around Mac uh, uh, or Mark Sanchez, they never helped him out offensively. It was always because you had a defensive-minded coach there was a lot of help that went to the defense, but not enough help went to the offense. So um, they never were able to build a, a, a good supporting cast around him, and I think that that hurt him. But I also think he just wasn't ready. to. to, to he needed more development um, as a quarterback. We talked about Mitchell Trubisky the other day. It's a guy that I think had 12 starts in college. That is – I don't care how good you might think you are or are – you need more college starts at that position because to see defenses, to be at the line of scrimmage, to be a leader, to understand coverages, situations, um, you just need more experience at that position. And Mark Sanchez, to me, fell into that category. Now, the opposite was, was, was Liner. That guy started for, what, three years uh, in college and uh, actually came back when he could have been the first pick overall uh, one season. He wanted to run it back. Uh, one more time to try to win another national championship. It didn't happen. Uh, but he had a bunch of drafts or, or a bunch of starts, and he still didn't pan out. So uh, it's definitely not an exact science. All right, real quick from uh, Raider underscore level on Twitter. Vinny was completely wrong, bringing up the, the debate from last year. Vinny was completely wrong in Clee Farrell versus Devin White. Some people are never going to let you live that down. That's, that, that's fine. Devin White's still not all that good. I mean, I, I, I was definitely wrong about – uh, Clee Farrell, without a doubt. But Devin White, there's people that are down on Devin White too. So uh, it's it's. I, I think the I think the for for if for practical purposes, if we're really if we're really being honest, it's Max Crosby, Clee Farrell. I definitely was wrong about that. Um, I thought that Clee Farrell took a step forward two years ago. I felt like Max Crosby took a step back two years ago. But as I sit here today and I tip my cap to Max Crosby because he worked his you know what off to become not just a better player from 2020 to 2021, but a borderline great player. And that was all on Max Crosby, all on his work ethic, all on how much he cared, his passion, being in that building uh, every single day. How many times did John Gruden talk about, I could never, the car was always in the, the, uh, the, the parking lot uh, over in Henderson. So he put the work in. And he became not just a good player, but a great player. And I, I have mad respect for Max Crosby. All right, this next one from fan, fan favorite caller of mine, Derek Carr's hair. Yeah. Any chance the Raiders bring back Richard? Las Vegas doesn't beat the Chargers and make the playoffs without him. He's also a beast in the blitz pickup. Yeah, um, uh, all of those things are true. But And we're talking about Jalen Richard, the third down uh, uh, running back. 
I don't see it, Demond. I think that oh, that running back room is overcrowded as it is. They added two more running backs to that room um, in 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 uh, free agency, and that's on top of already having Kenyon Drake uh, and Josh Jacobs. So all due respect to uh, to Jalen Richard, but I just don't see the need right now. I think they have too many running backs. You're probably going to see. Somebody maybe get traded at the end of training camp or, or cut or whatever the case might be. So I don't see the room uh, for Jalen Rashard. But tip of the cap because in that Charger game, he did come up with that, what was it, a third and 21 uh, and gets the first down in a key situation. And also, or was that the Colts game? He had a, he had a big play in both of those games, the Colts game and the, uh, and the Chargers game. And I know fans going back to this time last year were wondering, should Jalen Richard even be on the team? I think he was making three or four million dollars. Well, two games in those two games, he earned his contract. This next one from Andrew G. Thirteen: Are Raiders signing Daryl Williams? That's the um, offensive tackle who recently played in Buffalo, I believe. Yes, he did play in Buffalo, and you know, on paper, it makes a lot of sense. Um, if his best year, actually, and I think I want to say. It was 2017, maybe maybe 2019, uh, somewhere around there. His best year was um, at right tackle for uh, you know at the time, and so uh, to me, he offers an upgrade over what the Raiders currently have. If you're especially if you're talking about Brandon Parker as as your right tackle and Alex Leatherwood as your right guard, I I, I, th- I think one way or another, a guy like Williams would help, but. Um, if that is to happen, I would imagine that it would happen after the draft. I think the Raiders are going to take a look at what happens in the draft, an undrafted free agency, and see where they are at that position, um, the offensive line, whether they were able to meet their objectives through the draft uh, to fill some needs um, and then reassess after the draft and say, okay, um, we didn't necessarily hit on who we wanted to hit on along the offensive line. Let's, let's take another look at free agency, and I think Daryl Williams would be in that conversation. Real quick, my only thoughts about Daryl Williams is I know that you can't judge players off of one game, but he started for the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl 50. And I'm just saying that was a Super Bowl that was won on defense, and that offensive line was devastated, and the Denver Broncos just kept bringing it to him. So I'm just, just my first initial thought is, yeah, man, he couldn't do that good of a job protecting Cam Newton. I know he was younger then, but uh well, that's that was the a, la- that's the lasting memory that's burning hey, my. No one from that offensive line. If you're just like, oh, we could pick up someone who started in Super Bowl Fifty for the Panthers. Don't touch him. I'll tell you this. Look at that defensive line, though. That was um, who, who are we talking about? That's uh, the, the the new Buffalo Bills um, defensive end uh, was on that team. The guy that went to the Rams last year and Von they, Miller. Yeah, Von Miller and and. There was somebody else on the opposite side. They had like a that was Demarcus Ware. Exactly. <laughs> Golly, I, I'm I'm uh, shivering just thinking about that uh, being in front of me. So yes, you know uh, there was no doubt that the that the Ken, or the uh, Denver Broncos uh, had Carolina's offensive line's number. But think about who Denver had right, and we're talking about those dudes. At least uh, Vaughn was in his prime. And Ware was just a uh, just a monster during those years. So, uh, not if if that's going to be the worst thing on your resume, at least it came against guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. All right, this is from Ed Blitzchick on Twitter. Will DC four still have input and veto power in the huddle during games? Um, without question, input. No question about it. He's too smart. 
um, too much of, a, of an asset uh, to not tap into. And I'm talking about, when I talk about that, I'm talking about the game plan during the week, getting his input, getting his ideas. Um, you know, you, you would be, it behooves you um, to, to, to tap into Derek Carr. He's, he's smart as a whip. He's seen everything. Uh, so you want to you lean into him uh, in that regard. I wouldn't call it veto power, uh, and especially not in the huddle. I think when he gets to the line of scrimmage this year, it'll be just like it's been the last couple of years, especially under John Gruden. Um, he's going to have he's going to have leeway and flexibility to take a look at what the opposing defense is lining up in, and being able to check off to a better play if if need be, in order to get the Raiders into a better look to fit whatever the defense is doing on that particular play. So I, I think that he's going to have a lot of input during the week, as he should. Uh, and I think that that's – I'm really curious, not curious necessarily, but I'm going to say this. I think it's going to be a smashing success, uh, the dialogue and the collaboration between a extremely bright offensive mind in Josh McDaniels and an extremely bright offensive mind uh, in Derek Carr uh, during the week and then certainly during the games as well. And I'll say this too. This is the last thing I'll say about Derek Carr and his offensive mind. I don't know if he wants to go down this road because, as he's said many times, when it's all said and done, he's going to go golf and be a preacher uh, when it's all said and done with football. But I'll tell you this right now. If he wanted to go into coaching, um, he would be one of those bright young coaches that you would look at and say, keep an eye on that dude because he understands his game backwards and forward. And I think he's got an ability to communicate it, to articulate it, and he's a guy that people sort of gravitate toward in terms of the leadership. So I think he would make a spectacular coach. I just don't know if he wants to uh, put up with all that nonsense. All right, last one from original underscore Skippy on Twitter. What do you view as the Raiders' biggest knees heading into the draft? Offensive line. And, uh, you know, immediately probably linebacker, maybe another interior defensive lineman. But when you look at the roster and you look at that cornerback room, um, you really start realizing the Raiders need some backup or, or some, some future assets at cornerback because almost, well, their two starters, Trayvon Mullen and Rocky Yassin, are going into the last years of their contract. And it could work out spectacularly where both players have great years and are due big paydays and the Raiders might have to make a decision between one or the other. Um, and so you're going to have to fill a need or... Maybe neither works out very well, or whatever the case might be. You might be looking at a situation where you have to replace both of your starters next year or at least one of your starters next year. Um, and for that reason, I think cornerback is a sneaky big need for this team. So I'm going to go offensive line and cornerback. And that is the weekly mailbag. Keep those questions coming. You guys do a tremendous job. Uh, I really have a lot of respect for your insight and how you look at the game and the questions that you come up with because they're valuable. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. We've got playoff basketball. We've got Major League Baseball. We've got every great food, great drinks, free parking at the Treasure Island. That always goes a long way. So come join us. We're here at 6 o'clock, but this place is going to be happening all night long. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor. Talk to you on the other side. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. Mm -hmm. 
What's good? What's good? What's good? Raider Nation, welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday. We are live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. Free parking, great food, great drinks, lots of sports. Looking at the Miami Heat up two against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I think that's game three, right, uh, for their series. A lot of great young uh, NBA talent, a lot of great young teams. Interested and curious to figure out who exactly is going to step up. I think there's a little bit of a vacuum right now. You would think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant uh, would be able to fill, at least in a way to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're down 0-2 against the Boston Celtics. Uh, You would think that the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Draymond Green um, and and Clay Thompson and everybody that they have there, great coach. Maybe they prevail now in the West with with the Phoenix Suns a little bit banged up. But it's just we don't have that dominant team right now. We don't have that dominant two teams right now. And that makes for a pretty cool uh, situation. And As as somebody that can just kind of sit back and watch, I'm really curious to find out who the next young team, young star is going to be to kind of take the bull by the horns uh, and, and get it done. Devon Cotton, what do you think? I am so sorry. I'm in producer mode. I was looking. I was reading a text from someone about an appearance on Monday. <laughs> okay. Well, that's okay. We were just talking about the NBA. and <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's okay. That's okay, Devon. It's all good. Um you know, I'm just watching the the Atlanta Hawks right now and some of their great young players, uh, the Miami Heat, and obviously they've got some championship pedigree. Not championship pedigree, but at least they got there. They got to the NBA Finals. So he comes with the coach in the front office. It does, but you also have to have, you know, I mean, Jimmy Butler got there. He got the uh, Miami Heat to, the, to an NBA final. Kyle Lowry champion, P.J. Tucker champion. Kyle, yes, you're right. You're right about that. And also, that. you know how you said, like, what'd you say before? You don't, you haven't been that, you haven't done it until they you have. Done it. Yeah. Not only have they done it, their coach, when another team's on a 21 0 run, he would have called a timeout. So they, so are you, are you, are you telling me that the, um, the Timberwolves didn't call a timeout? No, 21 to, 21 to 0 run, no timeout call within that time. You know, uh, back in the day, the Lakers played the uh, Sacramento Kings, and they were coached by a guy by the name of Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell. And I want to say that the Lakers scored the first 24 points of the game. It was something crazy. You can look it up. Uh, it's out there. It was at the Forum. Bill Russell was the coach. He just sat there and never called a timeout in this massive run that the Lakers went uh, to, uh, to, to start that game. Well, uh, years later, I got to know uh, Terry Tyler, who was on that uh, Sacramento Kings uh, game, and he said, he, he's like, if Bill Russell was walking down the same side of the street that I was walking on, I'd go to the opposite side of the street. Uh, that's how mad and upset he was at what kind of a co- coach Bill Russell was, just sitting there not calling a timeout, so that's just... To hear that, I didn't realize that, Devon, that the coach, whoever it is, I don't even know who the Minnesota Timberwolves coach is, you have to at some point stem the tide. You don't have, like, I get when Phil Jackson would sometimes do that, when he had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal figuring they're going to figure it out. We're not going to show any weakness right now. Uh, we'll get it together because I've got players that I truly believe in that have, what did I just say, gotten it done uh, in, in, in the past. 
if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves coach and you've got a 26-point lead and the Memphis Grizzlies are fighting back and fighting back and fighting back and fighting back, at some point you have to stem the tide by calling a timeout. That's ridiculous, Devon Cotton. All right, Vinny. And now we, you know, we introduced a new segment yes. yesterday, Does the Call Stand? But now I've got a couple of sound elements for you. Is that if the call stands or if it's being reversed? So if it stands, you'll hear this. Here, the ruling on the field stands. And if not, you'll hear. After further review, the player disqualification is reversed. I love it. All right, let's get after it, man. Okay, Vinny, stands or reversed, the Oakland A's will move to Las Vegas. Well, we've been talking about uh, the, the Oakland A's, and uh, obviously they're not getting things done uh, in, in Las Vegas, or excuse me, in Oakland to date. Um, are, they, are, they, are they using Las Vegas as leverage a, in desperation mode and feel like they have to have a fallback plan because it's not going to work out uh, in Oakland? Um, I'm going to say that the call stands. I think the Oakland A's are going to be the Las Vegas A's before it's all said and done. What? I mean, JT's promo had ran as soon as we were going to break. Well, he doesn't think it's going to work because it's like 115 during the prime baseball prime baseball months out here. Do you think people are going to want to go to a baseball game when it's 110, 115 in the middle of the summer? Well, I mean, um, uh, and I love JT, and I and I, I agree. I, I don't think that, um, you know, it's it's it'll be interesting to see what kind of fan base is going to finally emerge if the A's come here. But – when you're talking about 115, it, it, the same thing happens in uh, Arizona. They've been able to maintain a, uh, a nice fa- fan base there, and there's an NFL team there, and there's an NBA team there. And when the Diamondbacks are doing well, which isn't all that often, but when they're doing well, they, they, they draw fans. So I think um, – and they, they have an indoor you know, stadium. Yes, it's a retractable roof, but they could protect themselves from the element. And I'd also say this. I mean, baseball is a summer sport. So I get that it gets hot here, but if you put a roof over it, that would mitigate it. But there's plenty of stadiums that don't have roofs in the summer. You go to St. Louis in the middle of the summer. You go to Texas in the middle of the summer. There's some brutally hot places uh, in the United States that have baseball teams that don't even have a roof, and you have to just deal with those elements. I'll, I'll also mention Miami. Miami in the middle of the summer is a disgusting kind of a place in a lot of ways. Whoa. <laughs> it really is. When I'm talking about from a heat standpoint, it's beautiful and great in every other way. But when you're thinking about baseball sitting in the hot humidity of uh, whether you're talking about Tampa Bay or Miami, that's not an afternoon anyone wants to be a part of if it's outdoors. But both of those stadiums are indoor stadiums. And, of course, if the A's came here, it would be a, uh, a roofed stadium. So you'd be able to protect yourself from the elements. My question is, um, depending on where they build it, you know, are you going to be able to – this isn't the NFL where it's a one-game-a-week proposition and really only eight games uh, during the season. It's not the NBA or, or NHL, which is just – like the NBA is an event, Damon. I don't know how many – pro NBA games you've gone to, but it's, it's almost like going to the theater uh, in a lot of ways. There's something about it that's just so compelling, and there's an excitement level. It's an it's a, it's a up-and-down game. People get into that, and I think it fits perfectly in Las Vegas. Hockey, I think, fits really well in Las Vegas. But does baseball fit in this kind of a market? Uh, I don't know, but I will say this. 
I just don't think that the A's are going to be able to get it done in Oakland. And if they can't, I think Las Vegas is going to be here with open arms. Here, the ruling on the field stands. All right, Vinny, this next one, NBA playoffs, as we were just talking about before. Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker got a little hamstring injury. The Chris Paul curse continues. Yes. The Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets, both of those teams are looking like some uh, suckers, you know. I They're don't even pretenders. Know. They're pretenders. Yes. They always have been, let's face it. And you got Steph Curry and the Warriors. They've got this new lineup. Somebody gave him the nickname, and I hate this nickname, PTSD, Poole Thompson, Steph and Dre. Oh, Ste- yeah. They're always doing that up in Golden State. Let's give him a cool PTSD because that's they've got the defenders scared. It's like, oh, shut up. That's lame. But also, <laughs> I mean, remember when they had Chris Mullen and uh, what was it, TNT? Or? Run, run TMC. Yes, exactly. So they, they, I like it. I like it. It's not that bad. Give it to me back again one more time. PTSD. Poole, Thompson, Steph, I, I, I love it. I love it. But go ahead. All right. I like it. Okay, Vinny. PTSD, yes. So stands or reversed, the Warriors will, will reach the NBA Finals. You know, here's the thing. Um, I've always had something for the Warriors going all the way back, all right? Uh, maybe it was because, uh, you know, uh, Jamal Wilkes, then known as Keith Wilkes, went to the same high school that I went to many years before. But it was so cool for me to say, man, I went to uh, Ventura High School. Jamal Wilkes went to Ventura High School. He went from UCLA to Golden State. They won a championship. Um, they were always sort of, you know, Lakers are always good. The Warriors have had their ups and downs. But there was something that was always intriguing about the Warriors. And then when they did what they did recently, it was just so spectacular. The Lakers were kind of down in the dumps at that point. So for me, the Warriors held up the California banner for for the NBA. And it was a pleasure to watch them play. Not saying that I would ever root for them if they played for the Lakers. That's a whole different deal. But when the Lakers aren't in it, I do like the Warriors. And I have to say this. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, there's no more championship pedigreed team that's left in the NBA playoffs right now. There's nobody that has that kind of experience, that kind of cachet, that kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, life experiences to be able to dip into, no matter what the situation might be, including down to up, down 26, up 26. Uh, I think the Warriors definitely get out of the West, and I think the Warriors are going to end up winning the NBA championship. Here, the ruling on the field stands. All right, Vinny, that's what you think. But for me, that's over. That's for getting reversed. It's overturned. Pick up that laundry because <laughs> Uh-oh. the second round, you know, because they're obviously they're walking over the Nuggets. No problem there. But that second round, if they do advance, they're the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> and I don't think that those Warriors are even making it out of the second round oh, of the playoffs. Oh, man. Because Memphis is going to be too tough to beat. I mean, come on, Vinny. The finals, they can't. They got to worry about the second round. That might be the toughest matchup that they face all season. It, it, it might be, but once they get past that, then where do they got to go? Then, then where do they go? And I, I look at the Memphis Grizzlies and all due respect. I mean, like, I, I give them a lot of credit for what they did the other day, uh, you know, yesterday, coming back from 26. But the fact of the matter is they were down 26 in the Minnesota Timberwolves, Devon Cotton. That, that's a little bit of a warning sign right there. And they got blown out, basically. Uh, in game one uh, in their arena against the, uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So if we're being realistic and we're being honest. Uh, Timberwolves the, are better than the Nuggets. I the, mean, the, um, they are. That's, not the, that's nobody's fault. 
um, and and uh, I'm not. You can't. That's the matchup. Right now, the matchup is the Warriors are playing uh, the Nuggets, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing the Memphis Grizzlies. But we can sit here and make a pretty valid argument that Minnesota should be up two one. They aren't, and that's their fault. But to me, when I look at it that way. I'm thinking to myself, how good are the Memphis Grizzlies? If they should kind of be down uh, 2-1 right now. They aren't, and they've, they've earned the, the right to be up 2-1. But they're struggling right now against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It took a miraculous comeback uh, to beat them. And I'm not going to – like, like I'm interested to see where Minnesota goes from here because, because there's a lot of talent on that Minnesota Timberwolves team. I, I, will give, I, I will give them that. Uh, if they respond accordingly and just focus on the fact that they, not that they blew the 26-point lead, but they had the 26-point lead, they should be able to deal with them at least in Game 4 and push this thing to a potential Game 7 if it goes accordingly from that point on. So either way, there's a good chance, because I think that's an evenly uh, matched series, there's a chance that that could go seven games, that series, and the Warriors, I think, are going to make quick work of the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, go ahead and get the brooms out for that one. Moving yeah. on. All right. This upcoming season for the NFL, this is going to be the year of receiving tandems. I mean, you got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in Minnesota. You've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in Cincinnati. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams in L.A. with the Chargers. And then in Miami, you got the Cheetah and the Penguin, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like if you were in, and you were in studio, you could see me do a little Waddle as I say it. I like Because it. the Penguin, that's a cool nickname. I'm not yes, going to lie. Yes, it is. Of course. All right. So you got all these different tandems in the league. But don't forget about the one here in Vegas. So, Vinny, the question to you. Does it stand or is it being reversed? At the end of the day, Darren Waller and Devontae Adams will be the best duo in the NFL. Not only will it be the best duo in the NFL, every reason why I reject any thought, any notion, any implication, any just consideration of trading Darren Waller right now. You're literally sitting on TNT the most explosive duo in the NFL is residing right here in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Raiders. We haven't even seen the explosiveness that they're going to be capable of doing, which it's going to be special and spectacular. Why would you even think at this point of breaking it up just to go to the first round to get somebody that may or may not work out? The best duo, receiving duo, offensive weaponry duo in the NFL is right here in Las Vegas and it goes by the name of Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and oh by the way throw in a guy like Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and a quarterback by the name of Derek Carr and this offense has a chance to be spectacular here the ruling on the field stands and that's that for today's does it stand or is it reversed? You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday, live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook, 38, four, what? 4638, now 4938. The Atlanta Hawks are up on the Miami Heat. Uh-oh, there goes your championship pedigree by the Miami Heat, Devon Cotton. We'll catch you after the break. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. 
Yeah, I think there's always those opportunities always exist. Um, some teams are, you know, you can look at some of the statistics of teams that are more willing to trade. Um, some teams are more willing to trade uh, up. Some teams are more willing to trade back. There's some teams you look at their draft day history; um, they're not willing to trade at all. And so, you know, we we go through all that. We go through all that that data one to understand what some of the trends are of certain regimes. Um, but we also work through those conversations, and um, we're always going to be open to. Um, if there's a deal to um, to be made that's going to benefit the Raiders, whether it's moving up in the draft, whether it's moving back in the draft, those are always things that we're going to be open to and entertain if we ultimately think it's going to you know, be a, a, a good decision for us to add a good football player. Any chance of a last-minute trade before the draft? Always a chance. Yeah, always a chance for a trade. That was Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler on – Wednesday over at the practice facility in Henderson talking about the research that's put into uh, looking into, all right, what teams, what general managers, because that moves around pretty quickly uh, or that sort of uh, changes uh, from year to year sometimes on, 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 you know, who's being run by who in terms of the general manager. But what the history tells us and tells the Raiders about what particular general managers and teams are more prone to trade up or to trade down and being able to use that information, you know, perhaps to your advantage in, 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 uh, in knowing who to target if you want to move up or if you want to move down uh, and just being able to sort of expedite that process and streamline it into a more maybe efficient way to uh, and also relationships come into play, you know, training with people that you have a relationship. I remember when um, the, the Rams traded for Brandon Cooks a couple of years ago. It was actually based off a conversation that uh, Bill Belichick had with um, Sean McVay maybe the year before. They were at, I think, a coaching clinic, something along those lines. I forget exactly where it was, but they just got to talking and you know, that possibility came up and it kind of planted a seed in Sean's head. And, you know, eventually when it got down to it, he's like, hey, you tell him less need, hey, you know, maybe we should look into that, you know. And uh, so it's, it's, it's talking and communicating uh, and making, doing your, uh, your homework and, and making the rounds on your calls. We've said it here so many times. You, you don't know what's available if you don't make calls to find out. And that's part of the job. And it's not always general manager to general manager. Sometimes it's below you, guys that know each other um, or staff members that know each other, that work for you know different teams, kind of starting a dialogue at that point and then going back up to the general manager and saying, hey, I think there might be a possibility. You know, my friend uh, that works for the Seahawks are just throwing a, a, a team out there. You know, uh, based on what I'm hearing, uh, you know, there might be a possibility that Russell Wilson might get traded or they might be open to, you know, trading Russell Wilson. So, you know, it's gathering information and gathering data and, and looking at the trends and what teams are, are um, you know, open to doing what so that and then also having conversation after conversation after conversation, um, you know, with your colleagues throughout the NFL just to kind of get a sense of, hey, look, just throwing this out there, you know, but, uh, you know, don't be surprised if I gave you a call right before, you know, in the third round, um, if I were, 
you know, you know what what it might it take for for us to to move up uh, uh, to have your pick, you know, and, and having those conversations now and in the weeks and months leading up to the draft, so that you're not cold calling people, and sometimes that happens. There's no question that it does, but having a dialogue well before the point of execution, so that you kind of have. Uh, some groundwork laid already. You know, hey, I'm not saying I'm going to call, but if I did call, what are we looking at here? You know, what, what uh, you know, let's say, let's say you're not happy with, with the, uh, the group of guys that's going to be there at pick 77 or 55, um, and you're looking to trade down, and I wanted to move up from 86 to go get your pick. What are we looking at here? What are we talking about? So that when somebody's on the gun and somebody's on the clock, you're able to... Um, take advantage of the limited time that you have to take advantage of uh, because you've already had that conversation plenty of times before. So, and I just get the sense when, you know, talking to Dave Ziegler and kind of getting to know him, I don't know him well, obviously, just kind of started covering him uh, just a few months ago, but, you know, uh, observing him, listening to him and the demeanor and uh, the easy way that he kind of has about him, also hearing from other people the determination that he has uh, about him uh, and, and Josh McDaniels as well. And I think also the respect that they have across the NFL. Um, I, I really believe that there's a lot of intelligence in the Raiders' room. I'm not going to say that to disrespect anybody that's been in either of those chairs, general manager or head coach chairs, over the years because I just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it in that way. I'm merely saying that Talking to a Josh McDaniels and talking to people that know Josh McDaniels and have worked with Josh McDaniels, uh, and and likewise Dave Ziegler, you just feel like there's a level of intelligence and conscientiousness and efficiency and openness and willingness and all of those great traits that you have to have in order to to pull something off like a draft and pull off draft day trades and you know the relationship, all of that. I think the Raiders have that where they need to have it. Uh, and I think you're going to see that as a fan base play it, play forward uh, in some of the moves that they make and how they build this team and some of the decisions and trades and draft picks that you're going to see. And I'm honestly fascinated to see how it all plays out next weekend. I want to say thanks to the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Always a great host. Uh, thank you to the callers. You really brought it this week. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Devon Cotton uh, over at Home Base. We'll be back at it 4 to 6 p.m. on Monday. And guess what? The NFL Draft is next week. By the way, we're going to have Dan Nacelli, the Raiders team president, on Monday show. So 4 to 6 p.m. We'll check you out then. Have a great weekend. Don't let this crazy housing market scare you. Now is still a great time to buy 